Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for joining us. Please stay with us for this hour as we are uh, about to open the Bible again and look into God's Word to learn a bit more. We are continuing on this uh, wonderful uh, theme of uh, God's mission, my mission. And we looked at um, some very good uh, aspects of uh, how God is fulfilling his mission. And he's waiting for us to be part of that too and to carry on with our mission too. Just the other week we were uh, talking about excuses to avoid mission and we learned about uh, Jonah. And I believe in many uh, aspects we could be like a Jonah. I hope that we learn uh, lots of lessons from that because we are going to look into motivation and preparation for mission. Please stay with us for this hour as we are looking into this uh, topic. Now, you are very welcome to be part of this program. And you know that you can send a text message to us. You may ask a question, maybe uh, make a comment. Uh, you need to send a text message to 0482. Zero nine triple eight three. We still have a available, uh, a wonderful book which we'd like to share with you and we'll come with a code a little bit later. The book is called True Revival. Make sure that you have this number saved. Uh, write it down. Zero four eight two zero nine triple eight three. I'd like to say hello to our panel today. It's good to have with us uh, Brenton. Thank you for joining us. A pleasure, um, Nick. Looking forward to today's study. Joe, welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Hi, Jerry. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Nick. Good to be here. Denise, it's good to have you with us too. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you, Nick. And Lija, also thank you for uh, being part of the panel. Yes, it's very good to be around the table of the Bible studies. And I'd like to say hello to Len today. And um, I would like to say um, happy celebration, Len, for uh, your uh, wedding anniversary. 60 what years of... Uh... Uh, it wasn't quite that much. It was only 56. Oh, 56 then. Okay, <laughs> well, good to have you with us today. Uh, I hope that you are uh, in good shape after uh, big parties. And we'll like to thank you for uh, taking extra time and preparing this uh, program. You are going to facilitate the discussion oh. today. Welcome to the program. Thank you. With a lead up like that, I <laughs> hope our Bible study is as good as the celebration. Hello, listeners. I want to ask you a question. What motivates you to get out of bed? Is it because of habit? A need to visit the toilet, perhaps? To read your Bible and pray? To get ready for work or because you have to care for the needs of someone else? The term motivation describes why a person does something. It is the driving force behind human actions. Motivation is the process that initiates, guides, and maintains goal-oriented behaviours. In short, motivation causes you to act in a way that gets you closer to your goals. 
In this week's Bible study, we will be discussing motivation in regards to sharing the good news of the gospel with others. We will deal with what motivated people of the past, even to the point where their lives were in danger, and how they coped. These persons let others know how they can be included in God's plan to be saved. So, get motivated. Set aside approximately the next 50 minutes to stay with us as we deal with this week's special Bible study. But before we do, we want to invite the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Jerry. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we can spend this hour together with you and with our listeners to discuss another important aspect of our theme for this quarter, God's mission, my mission. What is it that drives us to happily engage in some form of gospel work? And how do we prepare for this most important work? As always, we invite your Holy Spirit to be our guide and teacher, remembering that it was the Holy Spirit who empowered the disciples at Pentecost to do the work they had been commissioned to do. Let us also willingly and gladly participate in the gospel proclamation. Is our wish and our prayer in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Well, Denise, the Apostle Paul had something to say about the motivation of some people of his time in regard to their preaching about Christ. So what were these other people's motivations? Well, then, uh, from reading Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, it seems there were there were two different motivations, one a positive one and one a negative one. And I'd like to read from a paraphrase, the clear word from verse 15 to 17, and it says this, It's true that some preach Christ out of envy, rivalry, or even a sense of power, and others just like to stir up controversy. But there are some who preach Christ out of genuine concern for people. They do it sincerely and with love, for they want to see others saved in his kingdom. That's why I'm in prison, because I preach the good news about Jesus Christ so people will accept him and be saved. So Paul was in prison at this time. So there were some preaching the gospel based on the goodwill of others, and there were others preaching the gospel with uh, envious motives, trying to make Paul's imprisonment more difficult to bear. Now, he's outlined the motives that these other people had, but what's his reaction to those motivations, Joe? Yes, well, Paul knew of these motivations, of course, um, and yet he speaks affirming words and encourages the church in Philippi. He continues to rejoice and says in verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, Paul is thrilled that the word of God is preached no matter what the motive and it's the right attitude to have. But the second part of my comment is that he doesn't let it get him down or depressed because of their behavior, which is clearly unethical and ungodly. And this is a, a lesson for us, like 
Because like in Paul's time, we have all sorts and all sorts of agendas and motivations and not all good, but sometimes we let it get us down. And this can undermine our own faith. Paul, unlike John the Baptist, and I might get into trouble here, remained hopeful, optimistic, and his spirits remained buoyant. I can't remember reading anything that Paul wrote that was despondent and down. Even when he was recounting the terrible things that he'd undergone, he always had a positive motivation, a positive uh, feeling behind it. So I would conclude that um, Paul, unlike yeah, John the Baptist, he's remained, his spirits remained buoyant, trusting in God. Paul could and would rejoice no matter what. Yes, Denise? I think another point that comes out of this is that um, the preaching of the gospel uh, for, is part of God's purpose and he's not going to allow that to be thwarted. So even though it may have been preached from the wrong motivations, it was still being heard. Yes, the gospel message needs to go out, regardless of who preaches it. Although some people who preach the gospel have some other ideas, which um, I guess many people would frown about, but we're not going to deal with that today. Nick, in some current cultures and certainly many cultures of the past, women were to be seen but not heard. Now, who delivered the message of Jesus' resurrection to the disciples, and what was their reaction to it? Well, then, uh, first of all, uh, yes, you mention uh, this aspect about women and sometimes we can have uh, a wrong understanding, probably. I'm saying that uh, just in regard to a conversation I have recently with a man from Iraq. And he was saying uh, lots of good things about uh, women, uh, how they are highly, highly respected in uh, in their culture. Now, we hear all the other things around, and I can testify on that even uh, from my culture, uh, where generally in the public, you know, uh, people may say those words like that regarding to women, you know, I mean, uh, should we believe or not what they're saying, you know, because uh, particularly in those cultures, women are more in touch with what's happening in the community than men, because uh, men usually they are working on the farm, or in my case, you know, the men were always in the mountains, you know, with the sheep and all those things. They were not uh, um, necessarily 100% in tune with what's going on, but women knew everything uh, what's going on. And um, because of that, probably we have some time, I will say maybe even a wrong uh, understanding about that. Now, in this case, it's uh, recorded in... Um, Luke chapter 24, there were a number of women like uh, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, uh, Mary, the mother of uh, James, and other women who went to the tomb because they uh, knew what, I mean, they were expecting or at least to see what's happening after Jesus was uh, crucified. Obviously, they went, they find out, uh, the story goes, but they come back to tell the disciples. And they were very short to believe because, and I, I, will, I will stress on this, not necessarily because these women came with a message, but because their heart was not 
dare to believe those sort of things. Anyway, in the end, there were some of the disciples, and we may mention about that, who went to check out to see what they say. It's uh, it's true. What I'm trying to say here, because in regard to the um, discussion we have today, uh, motivation and preparation for mission, you know, that's not like a textbook. You need to take this, this and that to do to be a missionary. This is something which comes from your heart. You cannot shut out. You know, you cannot but tell people what's going on. And I believe this is the real preparation for mission and to share uh, about the wonderful news. Yes, I guess we've all have the experience where we might have some good news and good news is very hard to keep inside, isn't it? And they had some news they wanted to share with disciples. Yes, Joe. I wonder if it's, I per- personally don't believe it's anything to do with them being women because it was a message that was just so unbelievable to them. It was, they should have known and yet it just seemed so incredible that they couldn't get their heads around it that it just they were in denial they it couldn't have it couldn't be true it couldn't be right you know so much for the disciples stole his body they were gobsmacked and even doubted um their own coming and giving them such news but um i guess i agree with the fact that women had uh, what women said had less uh, influence it was less weightier <laughs> than what men said but i think it was the message it was like it can't be it can't be could it be you know let's go check out for ourselves okay well that leads us nicely into the next thing i'd like us to deal with sometimes we hear things that at first might seem to be unbelievable. What's an appropriate way to deal with such information? Ledger? Uh, To check for yourself. So after you hear news, uh, in this case, in the Bible, um, after the resurrection, Peter and John was not pleased with the news received from the women, but he... Uh, it says in verse 12, so chapter 24, verse 12 in Luke, Peter and John got up and ran to the tomb. So um, he wanted to, to see with his eyes and experience for himself. The difference between whatever he encountered and the women is that the women couldn't keep for themselves. They just ran out and told everybody the good news. But John, it says that uh, this news left him marveling to himself. So he was wondering and he was, you know, stunned about the news. So what you said is very important. And I want to stress this, listeners, that you may hear some stuff or read some stuff that might surprise you and you think, well, is this true or is it not? particularly in a spiritual or religious sense. Just yesterday I heard of a lady who heard somebody talking about something which I don't really want to discuss on air, which to me is a total error, and she's convinced. The problem is she hasn't checked it for herself. So it's a good idea to check for yourself. Even if you go to church and a minister is preaching away and if he's uh, 
he or she's not quoting from the Bible, then you have reasons to be a little suspicious of what's being said. So, Brendan, when it comes to sharing about the forgiveness of sin, of Jesus submitting his life in order to save our lives, and then about his resurrection, plus the peace that comes from knowing that the God of the universe loves us, can this be done from simply an academic standpoint? The answer to that is, in a sense, yes, it can be done because uh, preaching and um, teaching, Len, you are often using illustrations that are, shall we say, personal experiences for others, but not for yourself. So it is possible to have that, but it doesn't take the place of a personal experience. I can vouch for the fact in my preaching as a minister uh, that whenever I relate experiences that have happened to me, Personally, it's far more relatable to those who are listening and often you will find people coming up to you afterwards and saying what you said today was just what I needed to hear because that's what I'm going through. I believe Paul understood this and I'm going to read just a very short section from 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not without, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So academically, yes, you can present Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins and all of that based on the study of the word, but when people see two things, they see your personal experience and they see the difference it's made in your life, I believe it's relatable. Can I just say this in finishing? There are times when you study the word of God and you share with others and, and you do have that experience, Len, that uh, Luke 24 talks about. No, we're not touching on it in the study for pre at present, but sometimes your hearts do burn within you when all your heart burns within you when you were studying the word of God. There are other days you study the word of God, you pray, you do the same things, and, and yet it doesn't seem to really kindle. There are times um, like that, and I would remind this to our listeners or suggest to them, if you have those experiences where you're studying the word of God and where you're trying to have a personal relationship with Jesus, I can tell you there are times you just have to cling to his promises, yes. the things that he said, because you don't get up with your face glowing and your heart exploding ready to go, and there are other times when you do. So in all of those experiences, God is still with you. He still loves you. He has forgiven you. And if you just continue to walk with him, as Nick tells us every week at the end of our study, he will guide you um, during the day and during the rest of your life. So really, what you're saying, Brenton, is it is possible to have an academic yes, it um, is. Uh, knowledge. However, that's nothing like a personal experience with God. And Nick's yes. going to talk a little bit more about that right now. 
just uh, want to um, translate, if it's possible, a, a very good saying from my language, but I'll uh, see if that sounds as good as it is and the message could come out from that. In, in our language, we <laughs> used to say, like, academically or learning things, it's it's okay, it's okay. But what kills me is to put in practice. You know, uh, sometimes you can learn a lot of things at the head level, <laughs> but it's not as easy to put it in practice as long or unless you really want to to put that thing in practice. In my case, when I learn a trade, for example, yeah, I thought I knew everything, you know, but when I put my hands to do it, it was a different story. And then I need to really practice, practice that, that I will be able to do it and something to come out of my hands. I think that's the difference in uh, terms of uh, academics and practical. Yes. I think it's very important, listeners, that we all have a personal experience with God. We experience the reality of God. I asked the panel before we began this program today, if some could share a little about the reality of God in their lives. And Denise offered to say something, and a couple of others will deal with that soon. Denise, what's the reality of God in your life? Well, I think um, for me, the reality is that when I pray to him and I ask him to help in a certain way, he always does that. It may be not when I ask, but I know that from ever since I was a young child, I've prayed to God to help me in various ways because I knew that he was interested in my life and I knew that he wanted to help me. And we know that there are things that happen in our lives over which we have no control. So as a child, I'd pray about things that I'd lost and I would, God would always show me where they were. Now, the little things, but, but that's how my faith was confirmed as a child. And then as I've grown older, there are more important things that I pray about, and God has always come through for me. Maybe not at the time, but there are certainly instances where he has come through straight away when I needed something very quickly. But then, you know, praying for family members, you see things happen over a period of time. So that, for me, is more important than anything else. Yes, your experience is a little bit like mine. Some people try to visualize God when they're praying. And this is perhaps a good habit. I'm not really sure if it's good, but uh, a habit which helps them to picture the reality of God in their own minds. Thank you, Denise. Now, Ledger, you've offered to share the reality of God in your life. Uh, yes, Len. In my life, I can say that it happened pretty much the same as Denise said, that I felt the presence of God permanently in my life, guiding, leading, uh, rebuking me, and answering my prayers. And when you encounter God in these situations, receiving an answer to your prayer or receiving Restoring your health, for example, as it, it happened in my, in my case, God restored my health suddenly and, uh, also encountering Jesus God through the dreams, powerful dreams that effectively 
uh, it changed and had a, a, a huge impact in my life, you cannot stay silent. So yes. you you have to tell people. I would like to share something very quickly that I once I had a dream. It was an unexpected encounter with God in which God told me in his godly voice to pray for the Holy Spirit. And uh, I I shared this only with my uh, family members, but I didn't share, share it with anybody else outside. And after a few months, I was rebuked in myself, in my heart, from the Holy Spirit, saying that, why don't you share with others my message? And I said, Lord, I'm, I'm not an upfront person. I cannot do it. I'm afraid being judged or uh, misunderstood. And the voice told me, you have to share with others unless I cannot use you an, as an instrument in my work. So this happened three times until I, I went out and shared with people around about this so we have to share the good news because unless god cannot use us in his work all right thank you very much for that testimony now jerry could you like to share what you were going to share yes certainly then i'll 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 try and um, keep it short although my my testimony is uh quite interesting i think a bit unusual Uh, as a young man i was in my teenage years i was always looking for a meaning you often hear people say that you know what's what is it about life because we were always uh, talkers at home we would sit around the table at home we had not a large family there were seven of us and we'd spend many hours talking and in my early 20s and my search brought me to a uh, a little church in uh, northern new south wales lightning ridge and i was invited to come along and ask questions and I did, and I found the responses quite credible and encouraging, and I kept going. Anyway, I, be- I became a Christian, and but it was all very new for me. I didn't really have a, a strong connection with God. I didn't really know who God was, but I took him at his word, and I started praying, and it was amazing how God answered prayers and opened the way for me, taught me. It was like he was taking me by the hand, and in a practical sense, uh, um, family circumstances brought me back to uh, Europe where my parents had originally come from. And my wife uh, was also from Germany originally. And we, we ended up there to help her mother out who had just lost her husband. We were supposed to be there for six months. We ended up being there for eight years. And in that time, we started with, with no money whatsoever. And I just sim- had simple prayers, Lord, I need your help. Please open the way for me. Please uh, help me find a job. I found a job. She was in the same situation. She found a job. We just went from strength to strength. Um, I taught her or showed her from the Bible because she wasn't actually a Christian, a professing Christian at the time. But uh, now the Bible talks about uh, the the principle of tithing, returning a tenth of your income to support the ministry. She started doing that before she became a Christian. And God immediately responded and blessed us. And we just went from strength to strength. Anyway, that's all that started 43 years ago. We're still happily married and life's been really good. <laughs> Thank you for that. And something is quite common in your responses to my question. 
and that's answer to prayer. Mm. And when when we are desperate, it, and then we turn to God, and God answers our prayer, there is no doubt the reality of God hits us very quickly, and uh, we then realize that he knows and cares about us. It's like anything. If you've got some special news, special information, you want to share it. Lynn, I just wanted to say something very quickly. Recently, I was studying prophecy. Now, Faith FM listeners would be aware that we have many programs on prophecy on on our um, network. I was studying about the end of the um, 70-week prophecy, AD 34, and I happened to read a doctoral research paper from Andrews University on this topic, and it, it suddenly hit me that what I'd always believed was actually supported by Scripture in the sense that I could actually see for the very first time, having read this statement over and over and over and over and over again in, in Scripture, as many of our panel members one would have done, I finally saw it in a totally different light. And um, have I told anybody about it? Yes, I've told quite a few people about it. Um, it was so exciting to realise that AD 34 was the finish, the terminus of um, the Jewish nation as God's special people and that the gospel began to go to all the world. And I think I've shared that so far with about half a dozen people, So, and I'll probably continue to do so. So I'm just giving you a different slant. Now, it's not a personal thing that happened in my life, but it was God speaking to me through prophecy. And you know what? When God speaks to you through prophecy, you do get excited, I think. Yes. Well, we're talking about motivation and preparation today. And the four gospel books of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record what happened when Jesus walked the earth. He chose 12 men, the disciples, to follow and learn from him. Jesus eventually ascended back to heaven, and that was 40 days after his resurrection. The disciples were very sad their master had left them. However, Jesus made a promise to them prior to his leaving. What was that promise, Jerry? Well, the promise I think you're referring to, Len, is found in the first part of of verse 8 of chapter 1, where it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, I thought about that because in the the, uh, first couple of verses of Acts, uh, as you alluded to, Len, Jesus was with them for 40 days before he actually ascended to heaven. And it's uh, worthy of note, I think, to, to read a few verses there, starting in verse 3. It says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Uh, so um, you wonder, don't you, what else Jesus would have communicated to them in those 40 days. But the thing is, they needed to wait to be prepared for the task ahead. And the promise was the promise of the power that the Holy Spirit would uh, give them. Yes. Now, power to do what, Ledger? Power to witness. 
power to share uh, your experiences and encounters with Jesus. Many times we we can feel uh, shy, uh, unworthy, uh, or weak, but we have to ask in prayer. We have to ask for power, power to share, to perform miracles, boldly to to proclaim the gospel of, of Jesus. Yes, and I believe that what happened back at that time applies very much to this time, the time in which we live. Denise, in preparation to receive power through the Holy Spirit, what were the disciples doing? Lynn, Jesus had uh, ascended back to heaven and they were meeting together in an upper room, uh, and in Acts 1.14, it says they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they were meeting together, they were eating together, and they were constantly praying for the Holy Spirit. Now, that's interesting because when Jesus was with them, they had trouble staying in prayer often and staying awake um, when Jesus encouraged them to play. To pray. So, um, yes, praying constantly. Yes, there are some clues here what they did and what we should be doing. Jerry, when you read through Acts 1 and Acts 2, you'll see there there was a sequence of steps involved to their witnessing. What were they? Yes, Lynn, there, there are four. Uh, the first one is motivation, a willingness to serve. Then there is, of course, much prayer required. Then the power through the Holy Spirit, he prepares both our hearts and the hearts of those who we are seeking to share the gospel with. And finally, number four, presenting the good news to others. But I'd like to just to perhaps just focus a little bit on the motivation, because if you're not motivated, well, then you're not going to be praying much, are you? No. You're not going to receive much or any power from the Holy Spirit, let alone preach the good news to others. So uh, what is it that motivates us? And I, um, there's a beautiful verse in Jeremiah that I'd like to read, Lynn, if I may, that means a lot to me. And it has to do, I think, with motivation. It says there in uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the rich man in his riches. But let those who glory, glory in this, that they may know me and understand that I am the Lord who does what is right, who is steadfast in love and just and kind toward all. In other words, how I interpret that is, if you understand God as it is your privilege to understand him and know him, that will motivate you. If you understand the love of God and what he has done for you and for everybody, if that doesn't get you motivated, then nothing will. Yes. I hear a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit and how people pray for the Holy Spirit. But the whole point is the Holy Spirit is given in order that we may witness to others. And that's a, an important point, I believe. Now, what part does encouragement have to do with witnessing, Denise? Well, in Hebrews 10, um, and I'd like to start at verse 23 to 25, 
because there's a, a preparation for this encouragement. It says, let's hold firmly without wavering to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God is faithful and can be trusted to do what he promised. So let's be compassionate and give some thought to how we can spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Don't give up the habit of worshipping together, as some have already done, but encourage each other all the more as you see signs of the great day approaching. So we are to encourage each other from our relationship with Jesus. I like what you said right at the end there, because of our relationship with Jesus. And uh, I, I personally believe having a positive attitude and being an encourager has personal benefits. I think you have a longer life if you have a positive, encouraging attitude towards others. All right, well, now from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, where we're looking back into the experience of uh, receiving the promise of Jesus, that is the Holy Spirit, in the early church, it tells what happened. Could you just outline this a bit to us, please, Joe? Sure. I'll read from Acts 2, 1 to 4 quickly. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a mighty wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As we read further on, it tells us that those who heard were amazed. And I continue a little bit further down. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look! Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Well, whatever could it mean? You know, Galileans were known to be uncultured and poor speakers, and it had something to do with their regional accent and perhaps the way they pronounced the words. So they were looked down upon by the people of Jerusalem as being uneducated and provincial. Country bumpkins. Hence the amazement when they spoke foreign languages and spoke them well. The cosmopolitan crowd that had gathered in Jerusalem at that time of year were shocked that each could hear the message, the message, the wonderful works of God in their own language. So it is clear that when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, known languages were spoken by those who hadn't previously mastered them and without the aid of an interpreter. Those present could hear and understand. This wasn't gibberish or ecstatic utterances or the language of heaven in inverted commas. They were known languages spoken for the purposes of, what were they? (laughs) The wonderful works, declaring the wonderful works of God. Yes, thank you for that, Joe. 
You sometimes may have wondered, with all the different gifts of the Holy Spirit, why wasn't the gift of hospitality given on the day of Pentecost? Now, I think Brenton has got an answer for us. Uh, For example, why wasn't the gift of hospitality given on the day of Pentecost? What was the power to speak in tongues given for? Brenton? It was given to preach and teach about being saved through Jesus Christ. But can I go back, Len, on this one, just to Luke chapter 24? What you've got here on the day of Pentecost that Joe has touched on, she said that they were talking about the wonderful works of God. Now, we need to remember that right up to and beyond the resurrection, the disciples had a wrong theological view. And I'm reading to you from Luke 24, verse 44, where it says, Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. They were revealing the wonderful works of God in Acts chapter 2, which is, as you know, only about 50 days later. They're revealing the wonderful works of God, but this is what he actually says in Acts 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, As you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held. Then going over further, he says in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Their mindset has gone from an earthly kingdom with a Messiah sitting on the throne of David to their Lord and Saviour now sitting on a throne at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven. And he has poured out what you see. He's saying to them, as as Joe pointed out, there are 15 different nationalities mentioned here. Um, What has been poured out, what you see and what you hear, has come from Jesus himself in heaven. And their answer is, men and brethren, what should we do? And his answer is, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It seems, Len, as though you mentioned hospitality, and we're going to come to that a little bit further along, um, a little bit later in this chapter, but it seems to me that these guys, they're blown away, as, as Joe put it. They're, they're really blown that these Galileans, uncultured, uh, uncouth, are speaking in other languages. They're speaking the wonderful works of God. However, these people are being given this message for a reason. Once they're baptized, once they've believed and accepted it, they don't suddenly sort of sit down comfortably in a chair and cruise along from then on. They are being given the Holy Spirit themselves. And the Holy Spirit is being given not only to the 12 apostles on the day of Pentecost. We've got to remember there are 120 people in the upper room 
all of them received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the situation today. When you accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, you are given the motivation to tell others. That's where the motivation comes from. The motivation comes from understanding your necessity of salvation and how God has saved you, and that is what you want to share with others. And that's the only thing that will make a difference in their life. It's the only thing that will change them. Yes, and this is why the Holy Spirit was given. That's right. They could share. Hospitality wouldn't have done that that particular stage. Yes, Joe. Well, you you mentioned, um, you know, why why was it, you know, the speaking of tongues? And um, as we've read and heard that there were people there, representatives from the then civilized parts of the world, and. you know, this was what better way to kickstart the spread of the gospel than to let all these people know what has happened and, you know, the, the, the beauty of the gospel. Um, so that they then, when they return, take it with them. And the whole thing, you know, it's, it's just, uh, an amazing way of spreading the gospel very quickly, um, with one event because they'll take it back with them. Yes. Lena, a biblical map, which I've got in the back of my Bible, points out that the Jewish diaspora, as we call it, um, had gone to all parts of the Roman Empire. And there were representatives, as Joe said, of all parts of the Roman Empire present that day. So this message would have gone back to every Jew in all parts of the Roman Empire, but it would have gone back to others as well. Jesus is setting it up nicely so that the gospel is going to go to all the then known world and after that, all the the unknown world. <laughs> yes, the uttermost parts of the earth, eh? Correct. Hmm. Well, the early apostolic church was called the Way. It grew very rapidly. Nick, how many people were baptized on that very first day of empowerment from the Holy Spirit? Well, then uh, we just need to read that in uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And it simply says that in that day, uh, 3,000 people joined. And now in the Bible says that daily they were added to the church, you know, people who believed in uh, in God, in Jesus, who heard through the disciples the testimony. It's interesting that um, when you look at this aspect, 3,000, you think, what an event, but it's more than that. I will just add it here, a few things, Len. The Seventh-day Adventist Church today numbers somewhere around 25 million, maybe 20 to 25 million people worldwide. Now, every single day, about 1,500 people, they give their lives to God, which means that... uh, 15 new churches are needed every day, roughly, if it's a large church, which means that uh, about uh, 5,000 a year. You know, what I want to say here is not necessarily that 3,000 were baptized in that day, but those 3,000, they went out and they told others. And this is what it is, the multiplication, if you like. I heard this. Now, I haven't fully checked this, but I heard that even the 25 million people will lead 
another person to Jesus per year, by the 2034, you know how many people will know about Jesus in this world? Because the question, the big question mark is that we'll never reach the world because uh, the world is growing so rapidly. But you know what? what's the answer? Is that by 2034, nine billion people could uh, give their life to God. Yes. This is the intentionality here. We need to be intentional. When we hear something or we receive the message, we don't need only just to put it in practice, but we need to be active and intentional to tell another person and that person will receive, will tell another person and so on and so forth. I believe this is a wonderful thing. We need to stand up and not to be shy in these times to tell about the great news, the wonderful news of Jesus Christ and the soon returning. Yes, thank you, Nick. And Jerry, what was the message that they preached? Well, essentially, it came down to this, uh, Len. He condenses it in the in the following verses found in uh, chapter 2 of Acts. And I'm reading from the clear word uh, paraphrase. It says here, Men of Israel, now listen to this. Jesus from Nazareth was a man whose divinity was clearly proven by the miracles and other wonderful things God did through him, as you well know. Yet this is the man whom our leaders turned over to the Romans for crucifixion and death. And God knew this beforehand, because it was his set purpose for Jesus to die for our sins. Then God resurrected him for the breaking uh, of the power of death, because it was impossible for death to hold him. Jesus is this Holy One. He died, and God did raise him from the dead. We are all witnesses to this fact. Now he's ascended to heaven, where he sits next to God, the Father. And as he promised, he has sent the Holy Spirit in full power to help us preach the good news. This is what God has done, and the result is what you see and hear. Now, as uh, Brenton already um, mentioned, when the people heard this, they, they felt guilty, and their hearts were troubled. They were cut to the heart. So they called out to Peter and, and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter answered, Repent and be baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as a sign that you've been forgiven, and you too will receive the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are near or far away. It is for everyone, for the Lord is calling us all to come to him. It's a timeless message, isn't it? A timeless message. The message uh, that Peter present, preached at Pentecost and I ask myself too, are we also cut to the heart when we hear that our sins contributed to the death of Jesus? Let's think about that. All right. Thank you, Jerry. Ledger, the message that was presented, Pentecost, was about Jesus Christ as the Saviour. Is that message still relevant today? Oh, yes, Len. It's very, it's, it's more relevant than ever before as the coming of Jesus, it's very soon to happen and it's very imminent and it's very exciting. Amen. Brenton, what characterized those early believers in the apostolic church? They met together daily and it's suggested in verse 42 to 47, which I won't read, it suggests that they met in the temple and they also met from house to house daily. They were filled with joy. They ate bread together and no, this is not talking about 
a formal worship service. It's simply talking about hospitality. And there's one thing to remember, Len, when they stepped out and became followers of Jesus, they were probably kicked out of the synagogue and they may have even been dispossessed or disowned by their own families. So in following Jesus and in stepping out as they did, their church family would become their family from here on. And everything that that involves, hospitality, eating together, working together, praying together, and all all the other things that families do together. It's the same today. Nothing has changed. When a person steps out and chooses to follow Jesus, sometimes they're kicked out of their home Mm. and their church family has to become their family from here on. And I think that's a very important thing for us to remember when we're sharing the gospel. It's like a sword. It cuts uh, through all the rubbish, if you like to say, and the true in heart who wish to follow it, often there are very severe consequences. Yes, it says they were filled with joy. It does say that. Mm-hmm. Now, is there more or less need for the good news of salvation in modern society, Joe? Well, definitely more. Our, our world is so troubled if the news is anything to go by and As we know, God is a very present help in trouble. We are never alone. Sometimes we might feel alone or be um, feeling abandoned, but we're never alone or forgotten. And as Paul said, God is close to each one of us that we might reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, for we are all his children. And God offers us the peace and this, this, there is a peace that is a calm that cannot be duplicated any other way, cannot be contrived by human interventions, or training or discipline, science, whatever. It is the presence of God and the wonder of wonders, Len, it is um, available to everybody. So we should all give it a try, all, every one of us and listeners. In our modern society, there's a search for meaning And our dear radio friends, given the nearness of Christ's second coming, given the desperate state of mankind, given the insecurity in the lives of so many people, it's obvious that there's a great need for modern people to know Jesus. And we as your panel recognise the current state of the world. And we urge those of you who are already committed to the Lord to make a difference in your community. Get motivated, be bold, speak up and share the hope that you have. And those of you who have not yet made Jesus your saviour and would like to have the joy, the assurance and peace that you see in other committed Christians, may we recommend you get your Bible and read it. Start at the New Testament. Learn about Jesus and how he, as Son of God came to this planet with the purpose of saving fallen mankind. Read and pray. And if you need guidance, ask a Christian you know to help you find the peace, meaning and contentment that you're looking for. There is a message that the world needs. Be part of it. Ask God to give you the power to share it. And may God help you to be a blessing to others. Let's close this panel discussion today with prayer. Thank you, Joe. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you have done for each and every person, more than we could even imagine. 
thank you, that you are no respecter of persons, that each human, each person is equally valued in your sight, regardless of what they have managed to accumulate, achieve, become. We are all as nothing when we stand before your holiness and goodness. Please continue to work in each life. Help us to hear your still small voice, a calming voice in the constant noise around us. You are our only hope beyond what is here and now, such a short time on earth, which we often mess up anyway. So please live out your life within us and help us to reach others with hope of life and life more abundantly. In Jesus' name we humbly pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, uh, on the panel for your input today. But thank you, my dear listener, uh, being with us today. And uh, by staying to the end of this program, I would like you to have this book which we prepared for you. It's uh, entitled True Revival. And I believe we need something like that in our life. If you like this book, send us a text message to 04 eight two zero nine triple eight three the code for this book it's s a b s two s a stands for south australia b s for bible study just add their um number two again this code is to be in uh, no no spaces in between and our friendly robot will take you through may god richly bless you Please join us again next time when we are going to look uh, at uh, mission to my neighbor. Until then, God bless you and continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus.